Hey everyone, welcome to today's Real DMC Podcast, coming at you from Oakland, Petaluma, and St. Carlos! I think you just might have made like the new default intro. <laughs> Welcome to the Real DMC Podcast. DMC stands for Dave, Marcus, and Colin. And we're all here today. Dave, Marcus, and Colin. What's up, guys? How's it going? Good. How are you? Good. Great. I'm pumped. Anything anything new and exciting in your world? Buffalo Bills crushed the Broncos. That was a nice one. Winning the AFC East first time since 1995. Niners just got rolled by Dallas. Not so good. Yeah. USC lost the Pac-12 championship game. Will they ever fire Clay Hilton? Mm-hmm. All right, so quick vote. Do you guys want to switch this to a football podcast, or should we do? You guys want to do a movie instead? Yeah, I vote. I vote movie. All right. Okay. Well, the movie we are going to talk about is the 1990. What would you call this movie? A um, suspenseful submarine Cold War spectacular, uh, The Hunt for Red October, directed by John <laughs> McTiernan. I just call it Kick Ass. <laughs> Um, it's a subgenre of the submarine movies. <laughs> <laughs> the most brilliant commander in the Soviet Navy. The most deadly submarine ever built. This thing could park a couple of hundred warheads off Washington. Nobody'd know a thing about it until it was all over. Once more, we play our dangerous game. Without all the vessels in the American Navy. Radius might be trying to defect. The best-selling novel by Tom Clancy. From the director of Die Hard. Battle stations. Sean Connery, Alec Baldwin, James Earl Jones, Scott Glenn, Sam Neill. The Hunt for Red October. Well, I, I was thinking about this. I was thinking, okay, hey, you know, what's the best submarine movie out there? What are the submarine movies? And the ones that came to mind were Crimson Tide, Das Boot, and this one. Yeah, I don't know if there's... No, there's, there's more, but you're right. I was thinking, like, where does this rank amongst all of the uh, sub-movies? This one and Crimson Tide are, like, definitely right up there. Das Boot, I've, I've seen it maybe once, but it, I remember it as being really, really good. And then there's old ones, like Run Silent, Run Deep. Oh, yeah. Um... Uh, Gray Lady Down, more of a sub-survival movie. Um, and there's there's a French one I saw recently that I don't remember the name of, but it was it was quite good, um, and I, I definitely recommend it. I'll try to find the name of it. Anybody see that new, the new World War II one with Tom Hanks and Greyhound? No. It's on uh, Apple. No. Yeah, I haven't no. seen it yet. Oh, wait, wait. What is it? Oh, Tom Hanks? No. No, sorry. He's like leading. It's, is it a sub one, or I thought he was just leading a fleet across the uh, Atlantic? Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I just know that he. About all I know is there's a picture of him standing next to like a busted porthole. <laughs> That's about all the information I have. No, yeah, I think, I think it's, I, a, I think it's it on Apple, Apple Plus. So like yeah. no one's seen it. So here's yeah. here's, here's this movie that I saw is on Netflix. Uh, I saw it about I don't know six months to a year ago. It's called The Wolf's Call, and it's it's French. Um, this the. Short description is with nuclear war looming, a military expert in underwater acoustics strives to prove things aren't as they seem or sound only using only his ears. Um, it's sort of sort of like um, the hunt for Red October, but where where Jonesy is like the main character. It's nice. really quite good. I definitely it's on Netflix. Check it out. OK. 
Good quick recommendation. Well, uh, Marcus, would you like to give us a quick summary of this movie for anybody who may not be familiar with it? Yeah, a quick synopsis. A uh, high-tech Soviet sub dubbed it the Red October, which I think is a fantastic name for a uh, submarine, is discovered heading for the U.S. coast, and it's under the command of Captain Marco Ramius. The American government thinks Ramius is planning to attack, and the uh, there's a lone CIA analyst, uh, Jack Ryan, and he thinks Ramius is planning to defect. And so they only have a few hours to find him and prove it, and the entire Russian Navy is falling all hunting for the Red October. Everybody's hunting for the Red October. Uh, maybe just a couple other quick facts. So uh, from a box office standpoint, this movie was definitely a success. So it made $122 million. Came in at number five as the box office for 1990. And it's definitely well-received. So it has a 7.6 rating on IMDb. And Roger Ebert gave it 3.5 stars. And one of the things that Ebert said in his review was, it was a fun movie to watch because... He described it, I forget the term he used in the beginning, but the idea that there's one guy who's in the know and you're with you're with that guy and so you're sort of rooting for him. And so he liked the overall structure of the movie. The know it all. I think he's totally he totally nailed it there. It's yeah. um yeah, it's a really great structure. And that's actually it's kinda cool because the uh, Jack Ryan character it, it's a very similar and I mean most of the Clancy novels uh follow that structure of uh Jack Ryan's kind of the the know-it-all analyst who's figured something out and then he's trying to prove his point of like, no, 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 it's really like this. You know, he's trying to convince the people who are making bad decisions or think the wrong thing. Um, and you see that in a lot of the different uh, Jack Ryan movies in the um, the new series, Amazon series too, which is excellent. If you guys have not seen that, I definitely Yeah, I haven't watched that yet, actually. I was going to gonna ask you guys if you'd seen it. I, I'd recommend I, I, it. I have, yeah, yeah. I have. Yeah, so, Krasinski's so, great. As I heard a, the, I heard the first season wasn't that good, but then it got better. Is that is that an accurate representation? No, I'd say the other way around. I like the first season better. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. But they're, they're both they're, re- they're, they're definitely solid. Like, yeah, they're both really really good. And I thought Krasinski does it like focuses on him a little bit younger, um, but not maybe not too much. Maybe he's still like the or maybe younger compared to their Harrison Ford. Uh, Jack Ryan, he's like the old man. Well, so here's a here's a good question: Is who's your favorite Jack Ryan? Because I think there's been like what, like three, four, five different Jack Ryans, uh, uh, five at least, right? Because you have uh, so you, you start with Alec Baldwin, then you go to Harrison Ford, and then it goes to Ben Affleck for one movie, right? Some of All Fears, and then Chris Pine in the what they tried to do with the Jack Ryan reboot it was like Jack Ryan Shadow Recruit. It had a uh, I think Kevin Costner was was in that one too, uh, and then you have the Krasinski series. So yeah, five of them. I haven't, I haven't seen the. Um, I love Chris Pine as actor too. I haven't seen that movie, and then I didn't see the Ben Affleck one either. So Harrison Ford is. He does a great no, job remember, with that. Yeah, I remember thinking both the Ben Affleck and the Chris Pine movies were were good, N- not great certainly, but passable. I remember the Affleck one has a pretty good fight scene in it. Uh, that I thought was pretty good because it's kind of brutal. Well, considering I remember neither one of them, I mean, sort of for the sum of all fears, I'd say neither one was a a good Jack Ryan. I mean, for me, and I don't think Krasinski really fits the Jack Ryan mold either. He's good. I mean, but to me, having read, you know, how many books, like probably four Clancy books, maybe five, um, he's just not Jack Ryan. Um, to me, yeah. it's well, he, either he's it's Jim, either, uh, Jim Halpert. <laughs> that's Jim only that's the problem watching he, the Krasinski series is you have like that little smirk that he yeah, has. Yeah, it's it's three like, hole punch oh. Jim. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> See, it's funny. I haven't, I haven't watched The Office yet, so uh, I'm sure, I, no, I haven't. 
That's I've, I've tried to start it a couple times, but just the, the cringe humor stuff in the beginning. I was like, eh, I don't know. It doesn't, didn't. Well, that's didn't a whole series. Who, who are you? <laughs> Seriously. I don't know I, you. I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'll yeah. try it again. I'm trying to get it at some point. I told Mia we would because uh, that's her favorite series of all time. Ah, interesting. Well, she she can relate to the uh, the office work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, she's, got her, she's got her first job, so she's experiencing some of that right now. Yeah, for the first time. Well, maybe we can start with kind of just well, your... Well, well, no. Well, can we finish the discussion? Who's your Who's your favorite Jack Ryan? For me, I would say Krasinski, just because I think that series is pretty well. <laughs> I do like him as it. I think the, the series is oh, better, boy. but also, who are you? Okay, yeah. never mind. He's also it includes my favorite James Greer, which is uh, uh, Wendell Pierce. Pierce oh, is right. James Greer in the series. Yeah. So Bunk. So you can't you can't go wrong with Bunk. I love Bunk. Wendell Pierce. Is I think awesome. Alec Baldwin. I'll go Alec Baldwin as the uh, best Jack Ryan. Because I really only have the frame of reference for the movies, and uh, you know, I think his his take on Jack Ryan, I think, is it's a nice mix of vulnerability, intelligence. He just kind of fits the version of the Jack Ryan that I had in my head. I don't the Harrison Ford transition to me doesn't work that well. Like I don't really need to see like old crusty Jack Ryan, yeah. <laughs> which is a little bit. Which, and and also the Hunt for Red October is a vastly superior film to the two. Um, the two Harrison Ford movies, I think. The, yeah, the Harrison Ford movies are a little bit more just kind of spy procedurals. This is actually a little bit more grand adventure. So I think this is a much better movie, personal opinion. I, I would, I have to agree with you. I, I love Alec Baldwin in this. Just his overall look and how he plays the role it really syncs with my, you know, my remembrance of the character from the books. Yeah. So I think he nailed it. I think Harrison Ford is actually does really work but he just doesn't to me just doesn't look like jack ryan and he's too old but if you take that away he's a very good jack ryan but i think alec baldwin just sort of nails it well and i don't think i think i think the two harrison ford movies are not necessarily as a point of comparison when it comes to the plot it's 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 vastly different right because this one is high-tech submarine you know underwater sneaking around all that kind of stuff so there's and you know high stakes because they might you know launch nukes and the two harrison ford ones you know one is you know he's there it's a revenge plot basically because he disrupts a terrorist attack and then the other one's kind of an anti-drug you know with some you know jungle activity and some spying that, that kind of stuff but it's not you know, you don't really see Harrison Ford in a. Uh, he doesn't get to do anything epic in either of those movies. I don't think. I mean, sure, he runs. The, he runs with the guys that are on the terrace in, in Patriot Games, but I don't know. That's about it. Well, I, I don't so, actually. I don't really. I guess I don't like Harrison Ford. I, I don't like those movies. Is what it comes down to. And I really like Harrison Ford. I mostly like Clancy stuff, but I don't know. It just doesn't fit. It doesn't feel like a right fit for me personally. That's what I like about the Amazon series. Is it definitely has more of that spy. And it's a ten. I think ten part series on each uh, each season. And so you get you're able to go a little deeper with the like kind of spy and espionage and the research and stuff like that. So I think it's pretty cool. And there's a bunch of Clancy uh, video games. Out. Yeah, Tom Clancy Ghost Recon. I think I think he has a whole uh, franchise. Yeah. I stopped reading or, or multiple ones. Yeah, I stopped reading his after like kind of the Cold War ended, and so was my reading of Tom Clancy books. Well, it's funny because that's what I was going to shift to in terms of your you know relationship to the movie as it relates kind of to Clancy because. Uh, I, I recall seeing this movie. I, I remember really enjoying it. And at the time, 
you know, there went through a kind of a bit of a Clancy binge period and read several of his books in a row. Yep. I, I don't recommend that anyone ever reads several Tom Clancy books in a row because you realize <laughs> that all of his secondary characters are exactly the same. And so it kind of, you know, what? it kind of hits a point where I'm like, eh, you know, it's it, it's sort of and it, it kind of petered out after a while. So I think I made it to was it Debt of Honor? That might have been the last one I read, okay. which coincidentally has a guy that dives a plane into a, I think it's a shared session of Congress. You made it, Jack Ryan. You made it further than me because I think I ended at some of all fears, which was uh, yeah. Ditto. Um, I ended at some of all fears. Um, So I clearly remember in 1984, my dad telling me about this book that he just bought that he had read about called "The Hunt for October," and it was it was a it was a fairly short book. I think it was like probably less than 300 pages, and he was just like he just devoured it, and he was telling me all about it. And it was, you know, part of that was, you know, it's just, and it was shot up to the best, you know, top of the bestseller list. It was about, it was written by this guy, Tom Clancy, who was uh, an insurance salesman, but just a total military buff and wrote this book. It was, I think it was published by like the Naval Academy Press. Was it just a huge sensation? And I, so I was like, oh, I got to read this because I was totally into, you know, the Navy and, um, and F-14s and like all sorts of, you know, um, military stuff, you know. So that's so I'd read it. I'd read it. And then I heard about they were doing um, a movie with, um, you know, John McTiernan was going to direct it. And they had some uh, I, re- I read a thing about it in time in Time magazine. Time magazine. <laughs> um, the same issue as Asian Dawn, I believe. Um, <laughs> and um, yeah, there's like I remember seeing this picture of of um uh alec baldwin uh in costume as jack ryan and and standing next to sean connery on like the set of you know uh of the red october and thinking oh my god like i cannot wait for this movie to come out and i was not disappointed did you go see it with your dad no no um What? I think I was. In, I think I was at school at the time. My, my, dad, my yeah. dad loved the book. We bonded over it, but he couldn't make Friday, so I'm like, screw it. <laughs> I think, no, I, was, you, I, you I, think I was in school. Uh, okay. So yeah, no, we came out in '90. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I think it came out in January '90. Yeah, I don't remember. March. Well, as, how about how about from a rewatch standpoint? Is this a movie that you will go back to once in a while prior to this podcast? Oh yeah, like um, like I think I used to watch this like probably a couple times a year i mean i i really love this movie um i haven't seen it in a while but probably not that long probably like mm, a couple years or something but yeah this is this is always just this is a go-to movie it's really really good how about you marcus i haven't seen it in a long time like i don't like i remember seeing it a few times but i was actually like not confused but like because i read the books too if pressed i would confuse it with crimson tide because i can't recall much of crimson tide so i probably haven't seen this movie in 20 25 years so crimson T- crimson tide no, i have not by seen the way i love crimson tide yeah. but it, it's like the hunt for Red october on steroids yeah, yeah. well it's, it's a little Tony it's a little Scott. amped I, I do recall it's pretty amped well, that's it, is, it's, it is a fun movie i have to say yeah i want to rewatch yeah. that one too but i couldn't remember like before doing the research for this one, I'm like, oh, which one's Tony Scott? Which one's McTiernan? Which, you know, I couldn't like, uh, <laughs> you know, we can, we can do a movie battle yeah. podcast submarine, best submarine movie. The, it, it, this whole conversation reminds me, have you seen the pro- progressive commercial with the guys like talking about who else reads books about submarine? Oh, my dad. <laughs> 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 
Yeah, like we are all turning into our, our dads. Exactly. So I, I remember watching it before. I I hadn't seen it in quite a long time. And I did read, I remember looking forward to it too. Like I did read the novels and. Yeah, I watched it for the first time in maybe probably at least certainly 20 years, maybe even 25 years. Like I have not seen this movie in. Really? Uh, yeah, I haven't seen it. And I, I was kind of wondering like, why is that? Maybe it was a. Maybe it was a hangover from I know, not wanting to ruin Die Hard, so I, I let the Die Hard thing go for a really long time. From you know, and then I just tacked this on because McTiernan was the director. I'm not really sure. Um, yeah. It was fun though because because I, I sat down. So Mia and uh, Jessamy watched it with me too. So cool. so Mia and I are going to do a uh, we'll do a lockdown podcast on it. Oh, and, awesome! And, well, what did they and think? It was fun. Actually, they both had a really good time with it. It was just and and I I actually had forgotten how much fun how good this movie really is and it's just very engaging it moves along it's two hours and 15 minutes but it flies along for the length of the movie it goes i think it goes really fast and there's lots of just cool you know set pieces and sequences and the other thing i think is kind of fun about this movie is the tone you know bounces around just a little bit right because you know sometimes it's really you're really focused on the thriller elements there's the scene where they're going to take the submarine through Thor's twin, you know, and, and do the high speed underwater canyon run. And that becomes almost like a little bit of minute of like high adventure that, you know, and the score kind of reflects that. And, mm-hmm. and then and then the one and then it does shift to at the end, the it's a bit of an action movie, right, where Brian is going into the missile, you know, the launch area to try and stop the saboteur. That's probably the part where I'm not sure that it totally works. I think that um, it's OK, but I it's it feels a little bit uh out of place with the rest of the movie in my mind the just the last kind of action movie scene most things in here don't react well to bullets <laughs> that's, that's a pretty good connery maybe you should just do your connery do the rest of the podcast in your connery voice one ping only <laughs> we're named the dog indiana wrong movie yeah i think the um the reason i haven't rewatched it quite as much is like thinking about it like there's not that much that happens in the movie like it's not like a action filled like uh like die hard like there's tons of action in die hard but this one like definitely does have that so if you think back on it it's not like this oh like the ship gets lost and they go find it and they defect like there's not much of a story to it but like i mean that doesn't explain the movie how great the movie really is but there is i mean there's 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 just so much it's like uh it's it's sort of like I'm, you know, like I've got inside information and I think that, you know, he's not a crazy man. You know, he's not a madman who's going to go and launch missiles. He's not, you know, he's, I think he's out to defect yeah and he's got to go and and like convince everyone. And then ultimately, you know, he's proved to be right. Yeah. So I had that other question. So like you, as the audience, we knew pretty early on um, that they were going to defect because they had that meeting on the yeah. uh, on the sub so do you think it would have worked better if they didn't have that meeting so as an audience you didn't know if he's going to defect and if they held that off until the very end where they do that standoff on the red october so they dock and then they open up the hatch and then they had this standoff if you I, know, didn't know I, for sure until that point do you think it would work better no i i i think it works perfectly um the way they did it however i think if this movie were made today yeah, that they might do that. Like keep because it as a cliffhanger until that it's always you're always sort of guessing. Well, is he or isn't he? And then you're thinking that there's going to be, you know, like a big, um, um, what am I uh, confrontation uh, or something? Like or at like... the end of the movie, there's a, just a, like a big um, climax. Uh, no, not climax. <laughs> um, 
uh, a, uh, a switcheroo or something like that. Oh, oh, what like a got, like a yeah, I know what you mean. A Shyamalanian moment, uh, right, right. Um, but yeah, I think that today they would have done that. But I also think that, um, well, you know, they're trying to follow the book. I mean, look, they had a really great foundation with the book. Oh yeah, and like I said, the book was actually fairly short, which translates into like you know works well for a movie because screenplays are only like 120 pages. Um, how they, actually, um, I'm curious cause I, I can't even remember if I read this book, but how close does it fall? Is it pretty much exactly the book? Is there anything that is uh, any it, major differences? It's very, very, very close. I think there's some stuff, some scenes in the book that they cut out cause it wasn't really central to the overall plot. Um, what I don't recall is it, I, I don't think, I'm not sure about the end with the, the react or the you know faking the reactor accident and yeah. having to evacuate the crew that i'm not sure if that was the actual thing but i mean it's essentially from my recollection it was very close did the did the book have any uh, women in it <laughs> the movie um, didn't <laughs> okay so speaking of women in the movie um so you get a cursory look at jack's wife who is, um, this is right at the beginning of the movie, played by Gates McFadden, who yeah. for some reason is doing an English accent. Wait, was that his wife or was that yeah. was that a caretaker for their daughter? No, that's his, like, his wife. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, but and, he was coming from London. Well, being, you know, he's not English. Okay, so yeah. So here's the thing. First of all, his wife in the books is not English. Um, Gates McFadden, the actress, is not English. They gave her, a, I think they gave her an English accent because they were in London, but he's not English. Yeah, I don't he's know why in they were London. in London. He's in London because he's like doing a lecture tour. He's doing research. Okay. He just, ha- he has to go back to the US. So it's like, what's the point of having, of giving her an English accent? Yeah. I just don't understand it. He opened up, I thought, with a weird accent too. Like he, like initial first couple of scenes. And maybe it just, he was in, um, what's his character from 30 Rock? Maybe expected more of that character than uh, <laughs> it was. He was Jack Donaghy. Yeah, he was in Donaghy, so he seemed just his initial too. He also he looks so young, and like when he first came on screen, you're like, "Holy cow, how young he is!" He was actually 32 when the movie was filmed. Um, so I would like to say, um, Marcus, thanks for pointing out that Jan Dupont was the cinematographer, because then at, I'm like watching the movie again. I'm going like, "Yeah, John McTiernan, you got Jan Dupont teamed up together again." I'm like. Is this movie Die Hard in the North Atlantic? Yeah, exactly. I think it is. <laughs> it's kind of you know, close. It, 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 it's funny because after just watching Die Hard and then watching this movie, the there are some striking similarities, things that I would never have picked up picked up on or before or really thought about even. Right, so um, he, I think he's McTiernan's really good in small spaces. Yeah, you know, he, he directs he directs people in small spaces like conference rooms, the submarine. It, he's just he he really knows how to manage the space, and uh, I think he's also really good at giving individual characters small moments of personality or quirks or some way to identify themselves. And so everybody has all these characters seem to have a little moment, you know, that that actually really um, establishes who they are, you know, within the framework of the movie. I think it works really well. He's good at it. It was very funny. One scene I was going to say that was just like Die Hard was when. Uh, so then he's crawling yeah, through. Yeah, that's in the, the missile silo. Oh, he's crawling missile, through. He's, yeah, he's crawling through and he's like, like, oh, something's all reactable. It's, yeah, like me. Like, <laughs> it's exact same, like, tone. Come exact same cows, crawling. Come a few laughs. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. It was just so, like, so classic. I'm like, oh, it's Die Hard right there. Like, that's it. 
you know, the other thing is there's a there's a there's a moment where they're where they have their where Ramius is having the dinner where he's basically telling the officers that he totally fucked them by sending the the letter to the uh, <laughs> to the premiere. Yeah. But but there's a moment where the the camera sort of shifts sideways on Sam Neill's face, and it's it's almost exactly the same shot from the inside the vault in Die Hard. Like it's the same same sort of like twisted camera angle where for whatever reason Jan de Bont or McTiernan they choose to go diagonal just for a couple of small scenes in a movie. That's interesting. I, I've got another one for you. Um, yeah. When they're um, they're at the end of the movie when they're all in the Red October, and then that Konavalov comes along and and fires a torpedo at them. Um, one of the officers, the Russian officers, says, Captain, they're really shooting at us. And I thought, <laughs> oh, my God. It's like, they're using artillery. They're using <laughs> artillery. <laughs> I had that same thought. It's so funny. I, okay, I got, I'll, get, I'll give you two more. Okay. Uh, so uh, one is, and this is something that I had totally forgotten. It's kind of a throwaway, so it's not really, it doesn't become a big moment. But, uh, you know, in Die Hard, you know, Theo has the, uh, he has the bear the big stuffed bear or that uh so uh so john mcclain is bringing a you know a big stuffed bear and in this movie alec baldwin goes home with a stuffed bear and i'm pretty sure they both have a red ribbon around their neck so it makes me wonder is john mctiernan a stuffed bear fetish enthusiast Dude, or just a fan i don't know we, we are just so simpatico because my next <laughs> thing was what's up with john mctiernan and giant teddy bears yeah, he and, likes giant teddy bears. <laughs> and did you did you know that uh, Stanley Sally Ryan's bear got a credit in the uh, in the credits as Stanley credited Stanley as him, bear. himself? Yeah, as himself. <laughs> oh, what you do you go. know? So maybe uh, oh. McTiernan has a daughter that likes bears. Who knows? And then the last thing I would point out is that um, in some respects, Jonesy and Theo are are similar characters. Yep. Right. He's the, the tech super, guy. Super technologically savvy. Obviously, they're both black. black. I don't know. Uh, I, don't, I don't. I don't see it. But no, it's like the it's like the high it's the high tech. Um, you know, they're both they both play the role of the, well, you know, the tech can can do anything on the technology side, right? Because Jonesy's able to, you know, figure out the sound of the Caterpillar drive by. Well, that's the work because that Jonesy went to Caltech. I will <laughs> say this though, uh, like, um, the actor is uh, Courtney B. Vance, who is just a far superior actor than. So you don't even know his name. You don't even know Theo's name. That's true. Uh, I love Courtney B. Vance in this movie. He is fucking, he is so great as Jonesy. Oh, totally, yeah. And it's, I, I love the scene where he is convincing the captain on the Dallas. That's a great moment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I was waiting for for the captain to give him a little shout out. Instead, he just gave him a carry on, which I think in Navy speak is good job. You know, I mean, implies that. But I was just waiting good job. for him to post. at least say like, nice work but no yeah. just carry on and i guess he's, he says it with his eyes <laughs> by the way um speaking of uh we might as well just i mean jump into casting if <laughs> but well um, actually I had two other two other quick ones on the um so yon debont as the cinematographer right so we've already talked about that he um does you know, shoots this movie great but I don't think the visual effects in this movie, I think the visual effects are one of the weakest points of the movie. I think, and I think because we watched it, you know, lights off, sitting in the room, so we could see it pretty clearly. And the submarine stuff is, doesn't always look that great. It looks pretty pixelated. I don't know if it's the, the, the blue screen activity or how they're doing it. At least I, I didn't think so. I, I didn't think the submarine shots and the torpedo in the water shots were all that great. Is that? I, I, I'm going to disagree. Really? Because I think a bit like an animation. Yeah. But the rest of it, I thought, was done really well. Because this is what you'd expect to see underwater. 
Yeah, I thought it was fine. Like, I didn't think it detracted from the movie at all. I, the the worst shot to me was the very end, the last shot when they're uh, going up the uh, Penobscot River, uh, and it's like uh, moonlit. Oh, night. just because the green kind of the green screen effect. Yeah, yeah. It, it just really stood out to me as being green yeah. screen. Um, so and, and the score was done by and I'm sure I'll mangle his name, but um, Basil Poderis. Basil Polidurus. Polidurus. Um, I actually love. I mean, I really love his music and a lot of other stuff. He he also did the score for Conan, right? Mm-hmm. That's yep. the, you know that that jumps out at you as somebody who uh, like he had Riders of Doom is one of the uh, the best pieces of, of uh, music musical score ever created. So uh, and actually, I, I hadn't really. This is not a movie that I really paid attention to the score previously, but I thought I think it's a good score, and I think it kind of stands out in a couple moments more than others. But overall, I like it. No, I, I think it's really, really good. It's and it's yeah. super appropriate for this. Um, I love all of the um, the singing in Russian. Um, so the, the you know the, the opening shot, you know, as they're going, uh, they're leaving Polyarny going out to sea, and they've just got you know, the, the, the singing. I don't know if they're these like stirring naval songs or whatever, um, but it's really, really well done. Um, totally appropriate. Um, so I think it's a strong suit of the movie. Yeah. Um, no, I, I think it's great. And then speaking about that, uh, one of like my favorite parts of the movie is when they break out the um, singing the, the the Soviet national anthem as they're as they engage the caterpillar drive. I just I get chills every time I see that. It's so good. Yeah. Really you know, I get it. chills too, but but possibly for a different reason. Is there anything else that that moment reminds you of? No. Yeah. And you and I were uh, drunkenly walking up a stairwell on New Year's Eve, and you and I, we started singing the Russian national anthem, even though we didn't really know the words. (laughs) (laughs) When was this? This was, it was a New Year's, I I can't remember which New Year's it was, but, um, but yeah, we were, uh, yes, we had been drinking and and we just decided to start singing the Russian national anthem. (laughs) Well, yeah, because it's so good. Like I could sing it it phonetically. I could sort of sing. Exactly. We're just, you know. (laughs) So every time, yeah, when I when I see that scene, that's I start laughing a little bit. I'm like, oh yeah, I remember. Yeah. Well, that's why like it's so good that you just want to sing it out loud when you're drunk. Talking about the sound, similar to the music, the sound was excellent in the movie. Like the numerous times, like under underwater, you just hear the creaking of the sub, or you hear all the like just small movements and stuff. It just really, really adds to it. And they did win a uh, Academy Award for sound editing, so it was definitely a. Uh, wonderfully wonderfully done and sets the mood so well yeah all the submarine sound in particular i think is great yeah. the you know the ping the sound of the torpedo in the water and the you know the tension of the high pitch sound you know getting closer and uh you know all the stuff indicating you know proximity and all that it's it's cool yeah, yeah i mean when you can you know take basically a, a a scene where everyone is very silent and make that tense 30 seconds, turn it massive in seven, six, five, four, three, two, one, mark. Torpedo impact, 25 seconds. The turn, Captain. Not sure. Yeah. And do a, a lot of that just through the sound. Yeah. I mean, wow, you, you, you've really accomplished something. Yeah, you hear like the turning of the sub, you hear the metal creaking against it, like as it's moving and stuff. Like it's amazing. 
All right, well, Colin, you were talking about uh, talking about the cast, and as far as I know, um, I think everybody is in this movie. <laughs> There's a, so, a lot of people, I mean, a lot of really I mean, good people in this. This, this is a, this is a crazy cast. I mean, obviously, the you have um, you know a lot of the well-known leads, but then when you start going down to the secondary characters and you know people that are just walking on for, I actually have a question for you. Let me let me jump to a somewhat obscure one. Who's the guy who takes the hammer and hammers on the uh, and and hammers on the, the hole of the Red October? <laughs> I knew he, I knew he looks, you were bring he looks that super up. familiar to me, and I wanted to look it up before we started this podcast. And it was it's been bothering me since I watched it last night. Who is that? Who is that guy? Why do I know him? Okay, he I know he was on uh, an episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation. Um, <laughs> is that what forget, I know him from? I, I mean, just seriously. forget which one. He always plays an asshole. And he doesn't in this one, but he did. He, he look familiar to you though when you when you oh yeah yeah, yeah like I just but that's the thing I was like I don't know his name and I was totally right. gonna say like oh do you remember that guy I gotta look him up now okay well maybe we can start with Connery so I'll say Connery in this movie is I think I think he's tons of fun uh, he he pulls off the authoritarian captain vibe I think uh, perfectly so I think he looks he looks and is uh, he he fills out the role nicely. Um, I, my only question is, is he, is he pulling off the toupee with the, uh, the sharp, the sharp pointed white hair? Does it work? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's, I, I think it's one of the best toupees I've ever seen. He looks, okay. he never looked better. Yeah. Yeah. Connery's great in this. <laughs> uh, by the way, Timothy Carhart is who you're referring to. When it, the, you're known for is like one episode of the X-Files. That's pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah, he was Lieutenant Commander Christopher Hobson in Redemption 2. Electric which, uh, Of the next generation, I know, I know. <laughs> oh, of course. Oh, uh, well, Redemption 2. As yeah. war fights in the Klingon Civil War, Captain Picard and his crew must stop the Romulans from helping their pawns achieve victory. Yeah. Wow, that All right, let's move on. Sound <laughs> Dork alert. Dork yeah. alert. Yeah. Pull up, pull up. This yoke's getting heavy. Yeah, so Scott it's Glenn is Bart Mancuso. I thought he did a great job with the role. <laughs> and you know why? You know why Scott Glenn is uh, so important is because this was one of the movies when Marcus and I walked into the video store and Scott Glenn was standing there. And Marcus said, hey, what do you want to rent? And I said, uh, Silverado, The Hunt for Red October, or Silence of the Lambs. And Scott Glenn turned around and smiled at me. Marcus, uh, <laughs> and then of course we walked out with Marcus not realizing that Scott Glenn was there. I did miss him until it was too late. You, are you, do you see my screen? I do. Yes, that's Timothy Carhart. Wonderful. He is recognizable. Mm-hmm. He he like he probably gets stopped on the street all the time, and they're like, "Are you like I know you somehow? I know you so-. he's like, yeah. Are you an actor? Yes. What's your name? Timothy Carhart. Nope, never heard of you. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Uh, too funny. Too funny. Okay, sorry. We can move on from Timothy Carhart. The I also really enjoyed. Uh, Stalin Stars Skarsgard. I don't know how to say his Stalin, name. Stalin, Stalin Skarsgard. He's so great as a uh, Russian. Such a he's a Swedish actor, but he, he has such a severe features and such a like plays an <laughs> evil Russian so well. He's he's a fucking evil Russian sub. Let, let's just talk about that right because right from the get go, <laughs> he is chewing some scenery. Yeah. He is having a great time with it. I mean, he's you know because it starts off where. His sub has been, they've been on, uh, you know, under, uh, out of contact for seven hours. And so he gets his order seven hours late. And boy, is he pissed off about oh, that yeah. fact. <laughs> and he's just, wait, wait, do you think that, I, I was wondering, do you think they were trying to set something up like he had some personal vendetta with Ramius or some sort of like a personal, uh, 
there was something between the two of them because he yeah. really goes gung ho to kill him, right? I mean, he's 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 like super super pissed off and evil in this, like way over. I mean, any reason that is given in the movie. Yeah, he was probably his mentor because they talk a lot about Ramius training all the um all the other captains and all the other. Yeah. He knows all about it, so I'm sure he, there was a um you know the past. He's a hothead. Yeah. yeah, he. So yeah, Ramius was his mentor, but he's a hothead, and I think Ramius like knew it and called it out and you know so there's this bad blood between them and now's his chance to take him down he he obviously thinks a lot of himself which you know uh something that ramius remarks upon yeah yeah he's good in this he's a great actor i love him uh sorry i wanted to go back to uh scott glenn for a sec because i was totally um um looking obsessed with obsessed uh, with timothy carhart Carhart. (laughs) sorry and really i'm really i mean it's understandable but go ahead (laughs) By the way, Timothy Carhart, if you're listening, love you, buddy. Um, <laughs> He's our third listener. You got it. You got a shout out. Somebody actually gave you a shout out. <laughs> guess, sorry, guess, dude. So guess sorry. Gonna, guess who we're going to tweet this out? Our <laughs> if anybody listening uh, does know Timothy Carhart, please let him know. Uh, hey, he's a working actor. Come on. For sure. Um, so, yeah, Scott Glenn. Uh, the one thing I wanted to say about Scott Glenn that really came across in this movie was that this is uh, basically Jack Crawford playing a sub commander. Oh, totally. Yeah, that's a good call. Bart Mancuso, you know, like he he retired from the Navy and decided to go into the FBI and and hunt serial killers. Yeah. So then you have a bazillion other people. So Sam Neill plays a pretty big role as the uh, as the XO for poor, the boat. <laughs> poor Vasily. He really would have liked to have seen Montana. Yeah, no. <laughs> I don't know if he wanted a big truck. But, <laughs> and, and a round well, American it, wife. Yeah, but but his <laughs> his yeah. pickup. Two wives. <laughs> don't you think his? Don't you think that death seems a little much though? <laughs> like he's like, like Montana. Uh, I think at least they didn't draw back. it out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's eh, it's a little you know, and that was uh, I thought that was not the strongest part I, of the movie. I think this movie though is uh, began my uh, my Sam Neill fixation um, because I, I just like I love Sam Neill. Ever, ever since this movie, and then, yeah, he does a really good job. Of course, he's, he's he's fantastic in uh, Jurassic Park, and so I'm glad he got that starring role there. And for sure, loving Sam Neill. And you have James Earl Jones as Greer. He, it's interesting because he kind of shows up in the beginning, and then he shows up at the end to detonate a torpedo, but disappears for a good chunk of the movie. Well, he, yeah, I mean, but he's really good in the scenes that he's in, and the, the yeah. few scenes, especially like I like the um, the opening scene where you meet him. At, you know, because Jack just arrives um, to Langley and they sit down and they're just having sort of chit chat, you know, and then it's sort of the, the, the camera pans in on him or like, and he's like, so, uh, you know, like, so what's gotten you on a plane, like in the middle of the night to come out here? You know, it's just, it's a, that's a good scene. And he's so good in that. And then when they go to the White House briefing and he's just like, you know, like, um, like who's do, who's doing the briefing? You are. Yeah. And then like, he gives uh, him some yeah. tips on, <laughs> on like you know uh, how to answer the questions or you know be honest, be direct. He's really he's really really good. And so yeah, even though he's not in a lot of scenes, he he pretty much nails it every scene he's in. Ed Rooney as a submarine designer is is pretty cool. That's an interesting fusion. Here's Take one. Ed, here's Ed. one of the things that always you know uh, stands out not for in a good way is that um, when Greer. No, I'm sorry. It was. Um, when Jack Ryan says that he's going to go, he wants to go see Skip to talk to him to talk to him Did, about. Didn't the he design. say like he lost his leg? Yeah, he got. He said he got clipped he by a dr- drunk lost driver. His, lost his leg, clipped by a drunk, lost his leg, and but then the next you see him, like he's not. He didn't lose a leg. 
Well, I think it was a prosthetic. But the thing is, it doesn't even look like that. And they never even follow up on it. I feel like, did they they either have some additional scenes where they did do that? Yeah. And so it was sort of necessary to point it out. Or is it just that, because they they did, that was like a big thing, because he had a bigger role in the book. And... I'm just, I'm just wondering, like, why even keep that in there? It's yeah, it seemed totally like a very, unnecessary. I was thinking about it too when they like went and saw him. I'm like, wait, like, didn't he lose his leg? I expected him in a wheelchair or something like that. And like, he's like, no, he's just fine. He's like crawling around the other boat or whatever he was doing. Like, yeah, the, like, the little DSRV. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So, so it just it it always sticks out, and like, I'm like that's that's that it just doesn't work. Yeah. Well, my nomination was actually going to be Tim Curry. I'm not, I'm not sure that Tim Curry is yeah, the doctor ideal is ideally cast here. He was fine. And I, and I, and I don't know if it's because of just some of the, you know, the previous wackiness and, you know, the, um, what's the name of the, uh, what, what the hell is the name of that movie? Clue? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> oh, you're talking about, um, Rocky Horror Picture Rocky Show. Horror. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That clue. I don't know. I just, it, and he doesn't really, he did not strike me as doctor. So he was the only one who kind of threw me a little bit on the cast. I mean, he's fine. I, I it's, think not, he's, it's not, it's not the standout, but good at sort of like the sniveling doctor, like the, yeah. uh, sort of the meek, uh, he plays the role well is I think what I'm saying. And so, yeah, I, I actually liked him in this. He didn't bother I me. I do like it where, where Ramius uh, just, you know, dominates him a little bit after they have their conversation yeah, with the, with, with the missile keys. And he says, I will, uh, is, I will, I will, uh, plan to exclude you from this part of my report or yeah, something like right. that, right? Right, right. <laughs> and then Tim McCurry's like, "Oh shit!" He's like, "I fucked up." <laughs> and he kind of slinks away. And then <laughs> he's like, a... "He he thanks him for for doing that." Like, uh, yeah, he's. Uh, well, there's a couple people that I wanted to uh, point out who I really love in this. Um, so there's Richard Jordan as Jeffrey Pelt, who's the National Security Advisor. Oh yeah, uh, he is just so great. Uh, Richard Jordan's a really great actor, he and funny. he is just like. He's chewing up every scene that he's in. He he's plays smarmy, slimy, yeah. like to it. He's, uh, he's a perfect politician. He says, like, you know, I'm a, look, I'm a politician. I'm a politician, which means I'm a cheat and a liar. And when I'm not kissing babies, I'm stealing their lollipops. But it also means that I keep my options open. Yeah. And yep. he does it with, like, this really great Southern charm. Um, so he's, every scene he's in, I, I love. And the other person is the person who he shares a lot of the screen time with is uh, Joss Ackland as the the Russian ambassador. Every scene he's in, it's just like, uh, oh, so good. Um, well, I want to go back to Sean Connery for a minute, who I, I really think when they announced this movie, I was just like, yes, 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 100% yes. It was like literally the best choice at that time for that character. It was like, hands down, there, no one else could do this role. Did you have a Ramius pictured in your head when you were reading the book, like before you went in to see the movie? I mean, it was basically Sean Connery, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Now, to follow up on that, Sean Connery has the worst Russian accent <laughs> ever. You Pararoski. It's really, <laughs> this is not good. You know, <laughs> He's... Yeah, and, and the, the, which is one of the reasons why I think, like right in the beginning, when they're they're actually speaking Russian, he and Sam Neill don't have a lot to say. They're just like really sort of like these curt uh, sentences. And then he gets in with the um, political officer in his cabin, who's by the way the political officer's name, the character's name, Ivan Putin. <laughs> I know. I saw, yeah, <laughs> I saw that he was a Putin. Then the political officer starts reading, you know, some of the passages that. Uh, 
that Ramia said uh, had underlined, you know, and then they sort of like you know, McTiernan. I think this was really, really well done. McTiernan uh, focuses in on his uh, mouth as he's speaking Russian and stops and then starts pulling back and he starts speaking English. Really, really well done transition. That yeah. way, you you know that they're really speaking. Hey, they're, they're, yeah, Russian. they're they're actually speaking Russian, but you know what? We're let's we're not going to do that this whole movie. Yeah. And it's funny. Also- that's that's one of the things that I remember about this movie, and I and I think it was because I thought it was a creative film na- filmmaking technique as a way to you know not have to burden everybody. But uh, you know, and, and <laughs> yeah, although even his when he's speaking you know Russian, uh, he still has a little bit of an accent that comes and goes when he's speaking English over the course of the movie. So uh, you mean, um, Ramius, it, it, there's a little bit of an accent. He's trying to do a little bit of a Russian accent and it's yeah. just, again, it's, yeah. it's sort of like, it's a Russian brogue. You know, like you said, uh, it's yeah. By the way, I just realized that this movie may be responsible for me taking three days of Russian in college. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, I can see you. Be- <laughs> because I, yeah, I transfer. I'm like, oh, I'll take Russian Russian language as an elective uh, when I was at UCLA, and uh, that was I took it took over three days, and then I said, holy shit, no way, Cyrillic alphabet. <laughs> like, this is this is gonna be the hardest class I'm gonna take as an elective. <laughs> no, I don't think so, um, but I did. Uh, I can still say, Stolgazieta. So I learned something. Nostrovia. Last thing I want to say about Sean Connery. What I think I already pointed out, he's got an amazing toupee in this, but pretty much the first the first time you see him in this movie the very beginning it's like his eyes right it's just focused in right on his eyes and he's got this that great like you know um winter cap on you know a russian type of cap anyway so you, you just see his eyes and every time i see that i'm like man if they ever made a movie about the ayatollah khomeini they should cast him <laughs> <laughs> No, <laughs> I didn't know where you were going yeah. with that. <laughs> For a second, I mean, it was do you guys, are you guys are you guys familiar with you know Ayatollah Khomeini? Uh, yes. <laughs> I mean, I know you know who he is, but like you know what he looks like. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you do you not agree? Uh, well, I just I don't I don't I have not spent as much time getting lost in the Ayatollah Khomeini's eyes as you have. So. <laughs> I didn't say I get lost in them. I'm just saying he, he and he and Connery could be brothers. Okay. <laughs> Here, I, I got. I have him up on my screen. Uh, you, you, you. Be I the could judge. almost take your word for it, and we can move on. I gotta be honest. <laughs> Come on, yeah. <laughs> uh, you gotta, you gotta check out Khomeini. She's on. got. Look at him. Look at him. That's fuck. It's fucking Connery right there. That's <laughs> Connery. Like Sean Connery. I'll give you that. It does. Thank you. It's very close. <laughs> All right, moving on. Just how about this? Anything else you want to say about the cast? Yeah. Are we done with the cast? As I say, I think um, Alec Baldwin, best hairy chest in Hollywood. No? Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Nice. I, I, I'll agree with you there. Who else is up on that list? Harrison Ford probably is up Harrison there. Harrison Ford. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah definitely. Mm. Uh, really? I wonder today, do the ladies, they like more of the, the clean shaven waxed chest look? I don't know. I, I think so. I think everyone's going towards... Uh, I, I come by it naturally. <laughs> <laughs> you come by it naturally? Yeah. Oh, man. Um, all right. Moving on from body hair. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. We can just, we can just we can linger here for a while. <laughs> all right. Go ahead, Dave. 
Well, you know, the, the opening sequence you mentioned in terms of them with the sub leaving port, I do think that that's a pretty cool scene, right? Just because the, you know, you can see the the horizon. It it feels really cold when you're watching that. Oh, you know, yeah. it, it actually, it does a good job of communicating that, you know, this, this sub is leaving from a really northern base and it just feels cold and just the, the whole aesthetic is pretty cool. I think at that point you're introduced to the look of the red October and, it, you know, it's kind of a interesting looking sub i don't know that it looks necessarily sleek but it looks you know big and powerful well that's all it really needs to be is is big and powerful i mean i actually i think they did the subs in this specifically the red october which is a new class of typhoon um sub i think they did it really really well it's so impressive to see it in the water i think it's great and then you actually get to see you know underwater they they were they were like very much accurate and realistic in the depiction of the submarines like the alpha class submarine that you know that was a real alpha class submarine you know you don't get to see it outside of the water but uh, underwater that's what they look like and then you know the los angeles class attack sub you know the dallas that's actually a los angeles class attack sub so they you know they're very accurate in the details yeah that was really cool how they showed the scale of it too because like it starts with it like zoomed in close with the uh, Sean Connery and was it Sam Neill or uh, and they start like slowly pulling out and you like, see the size of yeah. like of the uh, sub as they like keep pulling further and further away. Really One cool. of the things I was thinking about is that it's a you know it, with with such a limited area for people to stand it's like you gotta getting that last few minutes of fresh air yeah. <laughs> it's like that's a super captain's privilege for sure right it's like oh man like we're going under for a couple months let me just let me just take in the view and get some fresh air for a while which uh which leads to a question i have can they can you really smoke on a sub i mean would that be allowed it seems like a very bad idea yeah they do smoke lots of people smoke a lot of smoking on the sub (laughs) yeah i'd imagine not today maybe maybe it was yeah maybe maybe in 84 i was just thinking like the air filters or like whatever like it's a pretty enclosed space it's not like you get fresh air yeah and you also really want to avoid like fire on a submarine yeah Oh, Marcus fucked it up for everybody. Another another cigarette problem. What, what, yeah. what, what the hell? How did this fire start? Well, Marcus was smoking in the shower again. <laughs> uh, I also like, I do like how they set up um, Alec Baldwin. So as Ryan in this, so it opens where you see his office and they're kind of panning through and he has all of the different books on naval history. And it's just, you know, you get the sense that it's just, a, it's a nice little, um, you know, visual exposition to say that this guy is really into uh, facts and naval history and yep. and that's because that's really the key is like he's an expert he's not he's not like some agent he's an analyst he's a historian yep. you know he writes books he writes naval books that's right uh there's a political officer on board and they set it up so that there are two missile keys so the captain has a key and the political officer has a key and you see Ramius uh kill the political officer by kind of just you think he broke his neck is that what he did yeah. is that what he just yeah, kind of he broke like, his neck yeah. I, oh and then what i think is interesting about that scene actually two things so he does take the key off of the off of the political officer and to marx's question earlier in terms of you know are they setting it up to make you think that maybe you know Ramius could be nuts maybe for two or three minutes there you're kind of wondering because they, they do make a point of showing that he's going to hold on to both missile keys and they kind of they kind of linger on that for a minute uh but yeah, yeah, you know, that's interesting because I was um, I was just thinking, like, oh, it doesn't really matter. Like, he doesn't need the key. I mean, he yeah. might want it just in, as a backup or something, but he doesn't really need the key. Um, but if you don't know anything about this movie going into it, you might be thinking that, oh, my God, like, yeah, he's, he's a, he is a madman. He's, yeah. Now he's right. got both keys, yeah. and that's a no-no, you know. Yeah, I think they could have... 
they could have played on that a little more. I thought like they could have like kept that going further, but yeah. Well, and the, I think the other the other thing that I find interesting about that scene is the so the political officer has one key and Ramius has one, so they open his the orders together, and that's where you find out that the actual orders they get are the Red October is supposed to go north and engage in a series of cat and mouse games with Stellan Skarsgård's uh, Russian, you know, uh, submarine. What what's the point of like locking orders in the safe and then they have to like go and get it? Like, what are the logistics? Is like some guy putting the orders in there? And like, how does that? I think the idea would be that you can't. So, so nobody who's on the boat knows what they're doing until they're out at sea. In which case, all communications are controlled. But wrong. So that that would be the thought. Wrong. No. What was it? It makes no sense. The reason they do that is so that um, nobody can go in there with a single key and replace the orders. No, but like, it's, why? So it's it's a controlled security um, environment where you have to have two independent um, keys unlock it at the same time, and then you you know that the orders are authentic. No, but that that, that makes sense. But why, the, I think what Marx is asking is why, why, why wait till C when you, yeah. and find out your orders at C. And that's what I'm saying. It's like uh, it protects why, you against yeah, why not, information like, Just spreader. give you orders on land. Like you could both be in the room. Like, okay, here's the admiral. He's going to tell us what to do. Cool. We got our orders. Let's go. <laughs> like, I don't know what's this whole safe and lock him in. Marcus, like, <laughs> I, I agree with you 100%. <laughs> but then we wouldn't have a scene in the... Yeah. In the captain's quarters when he gets to kill the political officer. The drama of that, I thought, was like, I'm like, wait, why, why not just get your orders like before you... Especially, <laughs> especially considering it, it was basically a training mission. Yeah. You know, it was like, like a, what do you call it? Um, yeah. You know, like so, sort of like sea trials or whatever. Yeah, um, they're just like testing out the thing and seeing if they can like, uh, like a scrimmage, right? Like <laughs> It was like the NFL preseason. Yeah, a submarine yeah. scrimmage. It was a submarine scrimmage. So the other thing I think is interesting is he takes the time to light those plans on fire inside his small cabin area. And then he calls the doctor to, because he throws some tea on the ground and that's how he makes it. Oh, this guy slipped on the tea and and broke his neck. Wouldn't it make more sense to burn those things after you call for the doctor? Because isn't the doctor going to walk in the room? There's a dead body, some tea on the ground. He's like, there's lots of smoke in the air. (laughs) Does something happen here? I I was thinking exactly the same (laughs) thing this time. I'm like, well, you're, you're trying to like, you're burning the evidence, but then somebody's coming in and they'd be like, what were you burning? <laughs> yeah, what was, what was the original orders? Intense. Exactly. It's like, you know, there's some flaming orders in the corner. Nothing looks suspicious here at all. <laughs> you know, so Ryan, they get Ryan uh, or, you know, Ryan convinces a, a few people or at least the um, secretary of defense that there could be an opportunity for Ramius to be defecting. And so it's then it's really getting Ryan out into the sea. And they make a point, uh, they mentioned at one point that Ryan was, uh, he went down as a, he was a cadet. What was, what, was he in the so Air he Force was, Navy? He, Marines. He didn't watch Maybe. the movie. Yeah, I know. I watched the he, movie. Or read the book. He, he went to the Naval Academy. Naval Academy. Yeah. Class of 72. He was, doing, he was doing the Marine option. So he was going to become a Marine. And he was, uh, during, what was it, the, um, his third, third year? Third year he crashed. Yeah. Summer, he went down some, the med- summer of third year, bad. he was out in the Mediterranean. And, um, yeah, he went down yeah. a helicopter crash. Everyone died except for him. He was in traction for 10 months. His back is totally effed up. But so what you're saying is that uh, maybe I should give the kid a break? Yeah. By the way, I really like that scene because the captain of the Enterprise is just like, he doesn't he doesn't trust him at all. He doesn't believe him yeah. in, in what he's doing at all. He thinks him like a total Admiral. academic in like... Uh, yeah. And no matter what his credentials, I don't care for him wearing the uniform. You see that ring on his finger? The Academy, class of 72, a Marine. You're kidding. How did you... Greer told me. Some of his third year, he went down in a chopper accident in the med. Bad. Pilot crew killed. That kid spent 10 months in traction and another year learning to walk again. 
did his fourth year from the hospital. That's up to you, Charlie, but you might consider cutting the kid a little slack. I thought they did that really, really well in terms of you know, you know giving the audience the background on. on yeah. Right. yeah, that same storyline goes in is in the Amazon series with Krasinski. And uh, oh, yeah, they do but re- he, he actually still has some like really bad back issues. Yeah, yeah. they do right? a really good job with that storyline in uh, in that Amazon series. So I thought that was like, I mean, obviously it's the same character and they have the same background. What do they do in this? Um, I don't think they, they ever showed anything the, about like they ever skip. No, Skip says, "How's your back?" He's like, "It's fine. That's it." <laughs> yeah, they, like, <laughs> never, like never on the plane. Well, but, like, but, dropping I mean, the they water obviously or any of that stuff. They never uh, go back to it. So. They, they, yeah, but they set it up as the, I mean, so that he has to, towards the end of the movie, right? He needs to get on a, a helicopter or a flying gas can to take that trip out there, yeah. right? So it just shows you how determined he yeah, is. Yeah, but they to set that up with the Try and prove his theory. Like, I hate turbulence. It's the same, it's the same as uh, John McClane hating to fly. Jack Ryan hates to fly. They, oh, they yeah, you're right. Yeah. You're totally right. <laughs> oh, my God. It, it really is diehard in the North Atlantic. <laughs> Uh, and then I guess the last in terms of the, the front section, the point of interest. So Ramius does have a, a dinner with his crew and including the doctor. And there's a funny moment where he gets uh, Sam Neill to excuse the doctor by asking the doctor to go track down some radiation reports so they can push Tim Curry out of the <laughs> yeah, room. Go, go get your TPS reports. <laughs> yeah. yeah he, he basically, it's like run along, go do some grunt work. And then, uh, and then he also says to get the former version of the reports to take extra long. Uh, but then, you know, Ramius is sitting there. He has his room full of officers. And this is where he reveals that he actually sent the letter to the Russian government and the Russian premier indicating their intention to defect. And it's kind of a cool moment because the officers around the table were definitely not in, in on that part of the plan. So you get to watch them sort of freak out and kind of shit their pants and go, oh, my gosh. And then well, Ramius kind of casually says, one chance in three, <laughs> they're going to make it. Yeah. There's like, yeah, there is no turning back. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I love that. Oh, by the way, I, one of the things I loved earlier is um, so uh, Ramius um, sends the letter to his wife's uncle, who um, he's like some high up in the Politburo, right? And uh, Yuri Padorin is his name. And I always love that scene because he's like, you see him like walking into his office, this really nice, elaborate, you know, like old style office with wood paneling everywhere and he's just like kind of grumping da 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 yeah, you know, yeah. like and then he's like he sits down and i was like oh there's a letter from uh a letter from marco ramius for you and he's like oh marco and he's he, all happy and he, yeah he's all happy and he's got a cigarette and he's got his tea and i love the tea sets in this movie they're <laughs> so elaborate they're just like really really cool and then he just you know and he every time like he's he, he's reading the letter and then you know, he realizes and he like knocks the tea over. It's great. There's a he lot spills, of lot spills of, the tea. Yeah, great tea sets. I love I love the tea sets. I know you're laughing, Marcus, I but I do I do love the tea sets. And then that's what the political officer uh, slipped on tea when he spilled the tea. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. I do like the scene though where uh where uh Ryan goes to meet with um Skip or whatever is Jeffrey Jones and then, you know, he, he Jeffrey Jones is like looking at the the photographs and he's like, I don't know, is this, he's like, wait a minute. Oh my God, is this? And he starts explaining what the Caterpillar drive is. And he's sort of, it's a very like serious moment where he gets like very serious and he tells a story about. When I was 12, I helped my daddy build a bomb shelter in our basement because some fool parked a dozen warheads 90 miles off the coast of Florida. This thing could park a couple of hundred warheads off Washington and New York, and no one would know anything about it till it was all over. 
good good moment. It was a really good movie. Yeah. It also it highlights like the the true danger of this, um, which is the whole point of the movie is like this submarine allows them to be silent and they can go anywhere and it, it you know exists for only one purpose. This isn't a deterrent. You can do a first strike and they wouldn't even be able to respond fast enough. You can be that close and destroy yeah. destroy America. It's a totally offensive weapon. Yeah, and so that's um, although, that was the main reason also and, and know, that uh, Ramius wanted to defect too, or one of the reasons given, right? Yeah, it's, I was going to say, it's interesting, though, because Ramius cites that as his reason, yeah. but he doesn't really go, you don't go, he doesn't go too deep into it as to why. Yeah, one of the questions right? I had, too, on his defection was um, about his wife, like his wife dying out to sea. They never explained how she died. Almost uh, Car crash. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah, I don't think they said it in the movie, but, oh, okay. yeah. but he does say later on, you know, that, you know, he she died while he was at sea, yeah. and he's like, the the day I got married, you know, like. Uh, what she became a widow because he was he was always 40, yeah. spent 40 years at sea right yeah and i i always wondered if it was um if there was a political basis for like her death somehow or if it was like uh um for whatever reason it might be i don't know like the and that was like kind of more like okay that'd be a more personal reason on why he wants to do this but well i mean ryan talked a little bit about it he's not you know uh culturally a russian he's yeah lithuanian you know, lithuanian, lithuanian. He is the Vilnius schoolmaster. Um, and I think he saw this as, yeah, being a first strike uh, weapon and that he did not agree with that at all, you know, and he knew that that would swing the the Cold War, you know, right into the Russians' um, hands and that this was gonna, there were people within the, the Politburo who would want to use it as a first strike weapon and yeah. would use it. And the only way he could prevent that from happening was to even the score and give the technology to um, to the U.S. Yeah. Does the book um, does the book go into the fact that you know that he's defecting early on, or does it kind of hold it as an open question for a while? Um, no, you you, you do know. You yeah, do know. Okay. I, I'm pretty so sure that you do know. Uh, and I mean, I think, but you don't know. I don't think you know until after Ryan sort of comes across uh sort of you know comes across this idea that he he thinks that's what he's doing yeah. because he, he like puts all the clues together and then he says and then it, um then you see this it progresses and you're like okay he, he was right that's exactly yeah. what's happening he is going to defect he's not just well a bad actually man. so here's a question so is um was it smart for ramius to send the letter that he did was the primary reason in your mind because he was trying to you know like like he says to his crew that it's a burn the boats moment and there's no way you know you're never going back but i also assume that he had to create the he was intending to create the response from the u.s navy right to create a little bit of a some chaos i think in some respects to be able to you know potentially make contact or slip through i think it was a really really bad idea <laughs> really I think that's why he did. He wanted the U.S. to get involved so they can, because he's trying to defect there. If he just popped up, he yeah, it would well, have been so, like, and it's, that would not have gone over well, probably. Well, it's funny because I hadn't thought about it much um, until watching it last night, but I was thinking that he, if he if he assumes that there is no Ryan out there, right, that he assumes that, that uh, he hasn't, nobody has figured out what he might yeah. do. He has to create some sort of a response on the Russian side to get the U.S. to question what's going on, right? And that's that's my thought about why he does it. Otherwise, he's just going to be, like like you said, a Russian sub commander that just drives and drives up to yeah. a, a port in the U.S. Hey, what's up? <laughs> you know, <laughs> no, just no. surfaces in New York Harbor or something like that. 
it would be. I yeah. still think it was a bad idea. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah, it's just, it seems like he's making this really, really complicated. He's got to have the perfect set of circumstances in order to pull this off. Yeah. Um, there's got to be, you know, some other way, like staging a, a, a reactor leak, yeah. getting the crew off and then taking the officers and then, you know, saying, we're going to scuttle the ship, you know, we're going to, you know, and then taking the officers and just driving the boat to, you know, up the Chesapeake and saying, here it is. Like, yeah, yeah take it. <laughs> um, I, <laughs> it's just, you know, otherwise you've got, now you've, you've got the U.S. Navy who now, you've got the whole Russian fleet coming after you yeah, to right. kill you. And then you've got the whole and, and U.S. Every, Navy, every US Navy is ship coming after you because down. they think you're a fucking madman. Yeah, yeah, that's no, true. I think it's a really bad idea, but I understand why. why All right, you've, you've, you've swayed me to your point of view as we talk through this. Yeah. Yes, bad move, Ramius. I mean, luckily there's a there's a you know really uh, smart guy out there by the name of Jack Ryan who can figure everything out. So why was the Caterpillar sabotage the first time around? Uh, because I think that the, um, you know, there's, um, they alluded to the fact that there are, there could be KGB or GRU spies on board and there were, right, but why? and then the- I think because the political officer dying, I think that guy was who turns out to be Loganoff. Um, I think he, he was like, this is bullshit. Like there's something else that's going on here and I'm going to, I'm going to prevent this from happening by sabotaging the Caterpillar drive. So you think that that's what it was. So the political officer dies and that was the KGB guys like, look, we just need to turn the boat around so we can go figure this out. I think it's, yeah. If there's a KGB agent on board, it would be highly unusual for the political officer to die and them not to just turn around and go back um, to port. Maybe he just slipped on tea in a small confined space where somebody was burning something. You know, that happens. <laughs> exactly. But he was actually, he was like right outside the cabin. So, you know, maybe he's, yeah. maybe he smelled the burning paper and was like, okay, no, this is bullshit. And then he, of course, he like witnesses that the, uh, the captain now has both missile keys. And I think he's going like, okay, no, definitely. This is yeah, like something, something beyond, beyond protocol breaking. Yeah. Right. Well, and that's because because uh, be, because the caterpillar gets shut down, they have to sw- switch to the prop, right? So normal propulsion, which makes them detectable. And there is a fun moment where uh, I mentioned it earlier, but they do this high speed run through a, an underground series of uh, caverns or cabins, uh, or canyons. Excuse canyons. me, Red Route yeah. One. Yeah, uh, yeah, and I, that moment to me is—I I really like that. That's fun—the idea that showing the intelligence and, and what it takes around, you know, calculations. It's sort of celebrating smartness because, you know, there's a guy who's planning the the run through the canyon, and he's doing it all based on distance and speed. And so you see, he has the map laid out and its calculations and all that. And then Ramius, of course, tells him to jack up the speed because he's trying to. At one point, he's trying to outrun a torpedo when the Russians attack him. Uh, but that whole scene, I think, is just pretty cool. And I, I just like it, again, because it's a little moment of uh, sort of adventure in the middle of this movie, right? Where it's just kind of about them cruising through the canyon for a little bit before yeah. they're being attacked. And it, it, the and score it, is kind of soaring, and I, I think it's fun. And it, it, it's a it's a way for you to make, um, you know, a movie about a submarine seem, like, really thrilling and fun. Right. You know, it says, um, you know, give me a stopwatch and a map, and I'll fly the Alps in a plane with no windows. Yeah. And that really, you're just like, oh, wow, okay, this is going to be cool. 15 seconds to turn, Captain. Should we decrease speed? Negative. Because they have to come right. 
Aye, sir. Eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one, mark. Fifteen degrees down angle on the bow planes. Come right, two, four, zero. Move it! You don't realize how much they cannot see outside. It's not like they have like windows. Yeah, there are no windows in a submarine. Yeah. <laughs> you like know? all the mapping is based on like you know like the terrain that they have and the distance they're going and everything like that. Makes me really appreciate uh, calculus. Yeah, that's that's a one thing that when you're watching this movie, just thinking about how they're how they're even figuring out exactly where everything is and how it works and how they calculate yeah. stuff in the head and how they're doing on the fly and you got to you know think in multi dimensions and all that. It's a uh, it's pretty cool. Yeah, well, that's how that's how shit was done. Now, nowadays, they have computers, but um, yeah, and it wasn't that long ago and everything, right? But thirty years. But Jesme's uh, granddad was a um, he was a navigator in World War Two, so he did bombing runs, uh, you know, from and he was and and he had a he had this cool case that had all of those uh, all all different tools in there to calculate, so we could calculate on the fly when they were in the air. It was pretty cool. Was this uh, in Europe? Yeah, yeah, he wow. did. Uh, was it twenty? seven runs i think oh, holy shit Pretty cool. wow yeah at the tail end of that the um really good high drama tense uh scene where they're where they're evading the torpedo in the water at the uh at the end of red route one um that's really great because you know they're sitting there you, so they set it up it's like you know the, all you need is like the, the accurate map the number of seconds and the speed and you can easily you know navigate through this canyon and then Ramius is like, he's like delaying, 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 delaying. And he's got a torpedo on his ass. And he, everyone else is going, we're going to run right into this wall and we're all going to die. Torpedo impact now 15 seconds. Sound collision. Sound collision. Captain, we're out of the way. You're relieved. Foraging. Right full rudder, reverse starboard engine. Right full rudder, hold back right starboard shaft. Hold back starboard shaft. Torpedo impact. 12 seconds. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5. And then it's like at the last minute turns and they, they turn and then the the torpedo hits the, the wall. And I love Good how stuff. he's stressing out the navigator too. You see the navigator just like oh, sitting yeah. there and like he's looking at how much time is going by. He's he's adding the seconds as yeah. you know as the, as the submarine's moving forward on the map. It's all that. Yeah, it's a it's a good moment. Yeah, I think that's one of the devices they use tremendously throughout the movie was just like counting down like the seconds to a torpedo hitting or how many the distancing guards. Um, they're they're engage in closing and so on and just adds to the drama of it all it's really really well done i thought like numerous times um when he gets on the boat there's a a, a couple fun moments between scott glenn and uh alec baldwin so you know ryan and mancuso where ryan's trying to convince him that he's defecting and then mancuso basically puts the orders in ryan's face and says actually we just received information that we need to go shoot this guy or you know blow him up because he's crazy and so the back and forth between the two of them is is fun. You know, the tension's sort of ramping because they're they're they basically get a firing solution on the Red October, so they're ready to take it out. 
And then Ryan, uh, you know, says, well, has he done a crazy Ivan, which is a, a move where the Russians suddenly turn their submarine in one direction uh, to try to shake somebody tailing them. And well, they do uh, it. You know, they, they, they do it to, to see if there's anyone following them in their baffles. Yeah. So that, and it's very unpredictable. And um, yes, but somewhat, and, yeah, so, and then, somewhat predictable in this case. Well, Ryan says, you know, he's going to go to starboard and, uh, you know, and then of course he does a crazy Ivan and, and he goes that direction. And then, so that's where Mancuso says, okay. And then he cavitates the, who causes a cavitation to occur to uh, reveal their position. Um, and which then is, I, which that, is, in and of itself is like a really awesome scene because the whole point of, you know, being a, a submariner is like stealth and right. you would never do that. Right. And all of a sudden he goes against, you know, all of his training, Mancuso, and like backs it up, you know, turns on the, you know, the and cavitates. And I think everyone on board the Dallas is like, what are you doing? Yeah. What's going on? <laughs> oh my God, what? But he's like, he's like giving up his position. All right. I'm, I'm going to trust I, you, I Ryan. Him. I'm going to, I'm going to trust you. Don't fuck this up. I, well, and I love, I love his description at that point. He's like, I just unzipped our fly. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> that's, that's pretty good. Um, yeah, so they, at that point, they um, this, you know, he gets the sub the subsurface, and um, I do like that part as well. So the scene where they're they're communicating back and forth through the periscopes, and 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 so they're talking, they're using that, and they're saying to confirm using a ping as if it's you know to get the distance to the other boat. And there's a there's I, there's a moment that I really love where you see um, Ramius turn to his XO, so it's Connery to Sam Neill, and when he's asking him to send the second ping and. Sam Neill's somewhat confused by that, but then he sees like Ramius kind of looks at him in his eyes and he's like, we got, we got the American on the hook. They, they know we're defecting. Yeah. Like that's what that feels like. There's a lot of emotion and information and, and sort of, you know, very, very, uh, you know, low key glee that gets con- communicated in that moment. I like it a lot. And then of course he says, can a brother get a ping? One ping only. <laughs> <laughs> what? One ping, Vasily. One ping, please. Verify our range to target. One ping only. I get it. I'll be damned. Now what? One thing I like about that scene uh, with the ping and everything. First of all, the ping itself is really great. You just It's like you feel it yeah. across yeah. the whole submarine, right? And it's another thing where, you know, on submarines, like you don't like you don't ping, you know, it's all about stealth and silence and pinging is like, you know, just it gives away your location. Um, And so it's really quite you. And so it's really effective that the way that they use that. And then the other thing is the the um, the periscope on the Red October. It's like uh, (laughs) sort of sort of reminds me of Dune with those fighters. But anyway. Oh, my God. Wait. Oh, my God. Really? (laughs) So so one of the the things I wrote down on my note is I wrote super shiny periscope. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. So it's got this it's this chrome mirror finish, which is which is really cool. It's 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 really quite beautiful. Another thing I really love about this movie is um, um, just the contrast between the Red October and the Dallas and like the Soviet Navy and the U.S. Navy. But really in this this aspect, it's it's this brand new super high tech submarine, the red October, which is a real stark contract to the Dallas where everything seems a lot. Um, it's not as cool looking as, um, and high tech as 
the Red October. So this really, really cool contrast between the two, and I think is very, very effective. Really fun moment when the Americans are on the Red October and they're standing there and you have all the Americans on one side and, yeah. and all the Russians on one side and everybody's sort of formally standing at each other. And then that's where, you know, Ramius says, um, kind of says that Scott Glenn might be a cowboy because he sees his gun on his hip. <laughs> I love how he says, Bukaru. And that's that's fun because that's where you see, you know, Ramius and Ryan. There's a little bit of a sort of an exchange between the two of them because Ryan understands Russian, Ramius understands English. Um, that whole scene, that scene's funny. I thought Scott Glenn and, and, should, have, should have just replied with, yippee ki <laughs> oh my see oh my god like it's another diehard you became motherfucker well, you didn't have to add the motherfucker but. the um yeah the part where it's like it's sort of like detente under you know like 500 feet underwater and everyone's just like yeah. what do we do now yeah. and then ryan and all movie long they've been setting up the fact that ryan doesn't smoke and yeah. then he, he asked the, the, the chief engineer for a cigarette. That was funny. Uh, it's like a really great way to just sort of, you know, break the ice. Yeah. And of course, he, he's like, he's, why is he turning green? <laughs> he's like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> coughing. <laughs> good, good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah, the Russians are probably like, yeah, you can't handle our real tobacco. Yeah. So they're, um, so at this point, the other thing is their, their meet and greet is kind of disrupted by the appearance of the, the Russian submarine. So it's, it's now, uh, it's coming in. Yeah. That's coming in hot. Cra- crazy Stellan Skarsgård. He wants to kill him. <laughs> so he wants and, to kill him uh, so bad that he's like, every time he, he, he shoots at him, it's like he's making a mistake, right? Cause the first time, uh, the torpedo goes like right overhead, they can actually hear it, which was really interesting. Yeah. And then Jonesy showing off like, like it's an Americans, they're they're firing at firing at the us. Pitch nope. is too high. The pitch was too high. That's that's a Russian torpedo. Good stuff. I love the guy who's left on the uh, DSRV. He's like, uh, hey, I think Timothy someone's sh- I think someone's shooting a torpedo at us. <laughs> hey, I think somebody just shot a torpedo at us. Oh shit! Fuck! We get the hell out of here. Wait, where am I? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, get out of here. <laughs> and but that's, you know so so that's the last everyone ever saw of Timothy Carter. Yeah. He well, let me ask that. you this, though. So, um, so there, you know, that sets up this the first great moment where the, so the first torpedo misses and then a second one gets locked onto them. And so and then and then it's a there's a brief moment where Ryan is sitting down and he has to make a decision if he's going to listen to the U.S. commander, Bert Mancuso or Ramius. And Ramius basically tells him to steer into the path of the torpedo. Now, here's my question about this. And, and it's this really cool you know, moment of tension in the movie where. For the next 45 seconds, you hear the torpedo coming in. Everyone's stressed out. You know, they're looking, everybody's kind of looking at each other. Oh my gosh, what's going to happen? And then the torpedo bounces off the front of the submarine because it didn't, it didn't have time to arm itself properly. And so, and that's where, that's a nice moment between Ramius and uh, Mancuso as characters, because I think there's mutual recognition of, okay, you know, you kind of know your shit. (laughs) What I would say though is, can we admit that for that 45 seconds, Ramius is really grandstanding? Because he could have just turned and told everybody, he's of like, course. look, if we turn into the torpedo, we can close the distance. And then so everybody just like, everybody just, you know, just relax. But he just wants to put 45 seconds of stress through everyone's life. <laughs> Why does he do that? That's my question. Because for, because it's it's very dramatic. Makes for a better movie. It makes a good movie. And it, and it makes yeah. a better movie. And I'm surprised, Dave, you didn't break out the 315. 315. Um, yeah, no, it's great because you're right at that moment. Like, you know, the uh, the torpedo hits, it breaks apart, no explosion. And Mancuso immediately goes, uh, combat tactics. Like yep. any, and it's like that recognition, like, 
wow, okay, this guy knows what he's doing and I can now trust him. And then after the firing starts, you know, like he, um, Mancuso stays on, on the bridge and, yeah. and Ramius goes to find the, uh, the KGB agent. And um, Mancuso gives Ramius his, uh, his Colt um, sidearm. And it's like, it's this moment where, where suddenly, you know, Ramius is, or uh, Mancuso is like, okay, I trust him. I trust him, yeah. That torpedo from the Konovalev was, was it was going to take out the Red October. Yeah. And then the Dallas comes in, steers in between them. And basically the, the torpedo now is locking on the Dallas. So it's like great, really great sort of tactics from yeah. the Dallas XO, who then does the emergency blow and you get that great shot of the sub coming out of the, the, water. Uh, the so Dallas great. coming coming out of the water. Like that is just so cool. And of course, the the Russian sailors who had been um, rescued, they're like, Captain scared them out of the water. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he blew them out. It's awesome. That was really cool. Yeah, I love I love the Dallas mo- and I love the moment where he's like, Come on, Big D, fly. You know, when he's trying to he's trying yeah. to surface. Because uh, I was kind of wondering, like, if you, um, uh, you know, if if a torpedo locks onto you. Can you really outrun it in terms of the, you know, like if you're no, you not outrunning it, no. emergency breach? I mean, that's, I guess no. that, that to me is like, can you really move up that quickly to kind of throw it off? I know the countermeasures are there too, but. Um, yeah, that was the one thing where I was like, okay, you did this great emergency blow, but um, isn't the target really going to hit you? Yeah. No, but they, <laughs> yeah. they dropped the countermeasures so, before. And so that it steered yeah. it away from I them. I mean. But then they didn't lock on the countermeasures. Well, then why did they need the blow? No, because they had to get I, out of the way I think, or whatever relocked on them. I mean, we're, we might be, you know, nitpicking here, but um, I think it's a valid question. Well, what happened to the torpedo? It hit the. Uh... Oh, that's right. <laughs> Duh. Okay, so basically, <laughs> yeah. they created like, enough uh, disturbance. Wow. Didn't you say? Maybe did you watch the movie? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> didn't did you throw I, one of those at me earlier? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry about yeah, that. so they they uh, dropped the countermeasures. They surfaced, so then it tracked to the countermeasures. And then, right. it tra- right. then it locked on. So and it was the, the, a October, brilliant... the October hooks it, was... it hooks it onto brilliant. you and then pulls yeah, it towards exactly. the other one. Brilliant move. Yeah. That was fun. Yeah. I think the other thing that is going on while this the last moment of torpedo conflict is taking place, there's that's where um the saboteur who remained on the Red October and didn't get off when the, the fake nuclear uh accident happened. He shows up and he shoots. He shoots, he's trying to kill people. He ends up he ends up killing Sam Neal. I mentioned this earlier. I don't think it's the best death scene ever. <laughs> I think it's a little cheesy, but it's okay. It it's fun. Uh, but then Ryan goes into the missile tool tube uh, with Ramius, yeah. and they're trying to kill the saboteur. The, by the way, uh, um, the, just when when he does go in there the, into the missile base silos, yeah, it, that shot is really really cool. You're just looking down the whole bay, oh, yeah. and there's this like you know row upon row of these huge missile silos. Really really cool. Yeah, that's I, I think that's a that's a cool moment because it it really you know reinforces the purpose of the Red October and the amount of devastating damage yeah, it could deliver if it you know because it's probably on, got on the like first fire about twenty four missiles on there and each missile has probably like like eight to ten um, nuclear warheads on it so just imagine the damage that that can do a lot of damage a lot of damage <laughs> the question I have about this is. So Ryan's crawling forward. I think at some point some stuff does splash on him. But then at the very end, he sees the saboteur who's sitting there who has two wires. And if he touches those wires, he's going to ignite one of the missiles and blow up the ship. Uh, But it really does look like 
uh, Ryan is sweating profusely in that moment. And so I'm just trying to understand, was that the after effects of getting sprayed down with something or was he yeah, just really, really like nervous? hydraulic fluid or something split all over him. So it was, I don't know. I think it's water. I think it was like water? really oh, okay. scalding hot water for the, for steam oh, okay. or something. And I was actually wondering, um, cause when he comes back at the end after having killed the saboteur, it looked like his face was really red. Like I think he had actually been like burned, uh, maybe mild burns from the, that hot okay. water. I do like in that moment that, you know, so Ryan has the gun and he hesitates and then, you know, you don't, it's not as if you see the Russian, I thought that they, uh, I thought it was an interesting choice because you, you could have seen the Russian make a move with his hands and then Ryan shoots him, but you don't see that, right? You just see the guy standing there with the wire. And so Ryan basically just decides to kill him. Oh yeah. He, he blows him to. away. He had no yeah, hesitation. I mean, it, no, it's, I mean, it, it's sort of a, you know, not that it's in cold blood per, per se, because the guy's about to blow up the ship, but, uh, so he's doing it in self-defense, but I just thought that was a uh, an interesting character choice because when it came down to it, it's like Brian, yeah, he's just killing the guy just because he had to. He was a mar- you know, no, no, no qualms. He was about a marine it. in the in the re-release of this movie. Um, the guy like he he puts it, his hands together and then and then Ryan shoots. <laughs> just like uh, just Greedy. like uh, yeah. yeah, and then and then yeah. he gives him he actually he has him holding a walkie-talkie instead of the wire. Ryan yeah. shoots first. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm going to get a, sh- a t-shirt that said Jack Ryan shoots first. <laughs> Jack Ryan, yeah. <laughs> no, but yeah. no, I do like the fact that he did because, you know, you were sort of expecting the hands to come together and then he'd shoot, but it didn't. Yeah. He, he, the, the guy had a, like sort of a smirk, like he was going to do it, but he didn't actually move. Yeah. And then, yeah, Ryan just. Yeah, but it's far more yeah. realistic too, right? I mean, he's a Marine. He's trained to do it. Like that's the, yep. that's what it would oh, be. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. That guy. Yeah, it's not like John Krasinski doing it. Uh, that would be really unbelievable. <laughs> I may have to watch that show. Watch it. It's really good. I want to see the Chris Pine one because I do love Chris Pine. I feel like I have seen it, which doesn't say a lot because I really don't remember yeah. it at all. Who doesn't love Chris Pine, yeah. though? I love Chris, so Pine. Yeah, <laughs> Chris, Chris, Chris Pine. Yeah, Chris Pine's I think great. I've seen him. <laughs> I, I'm worried I have seen it, too. <laughs> and then turn around, be like, oh, like there are so many of like, the same movies old. released at the same time. I think like they're like well, the Mission I've Impossible seen... ones too. Like it seems like kind of like those. Yeah. So I want to watch the Sum of All Fears again because I want to see what Ben Affleck is like having like had this conversation. But I think I already know, and it's like, yeah, do I really want to waste two hours? <laughs> yeah. I, I I mean I don't recall it being a bad movie. I don't recall it being a good movie. Just. I recall the book being just really like over the top. That was the nuclear uh, bomb at the Super Bowl one, right? Right, right. And then um, the who is it? The Secretary of Defense owns the Denver Broncos or something. <laughs> and the um, it's not too far off from reality. <laughs> yeah, I know. No, it's actually it's really not. But but they had a, ro- like, rotate back to the real DMC football <laughs> podcast. And they, well, they they called and they had a, and the, the Broncos had like a really a really good defense and they call them something like like the the department of defense oh, or you know something catchy like oh, that yes yeah. that's funny <laughs> i just wanted to say that i i i think one of the last scenes in the film is with um jeffrey pelt talking to the uh, russian ambassador for like the third time and um oh, that was saying, great last you know, scene. Like, <laughs> like oh you've lost another submarine yeah. are you gonna tell me that you lost another submarine one of our submarines, an Alpha, was last reported in the area of the Grand Banks. We've not heard from her for some time. Andre. 
You've lost another submarine. And the, but but during that conversation, Jeff Pelt pulls out the little candy jar full of jelly beans, which I thought was a really great touch because this was like during the height of the Reagan yeah, era. Yeah, yeah. It was just really, really good. Yeah, the Reagan era. Richard yeah, Jordan that's is so good. In that. They're both, I'm telling you, both those guys are just like great, great part of the movie. Hey, let me ask you this. What's your, uh, if you guys, if I was to say, hey, what's your Alec Baldwin movie? Jack Donahue? <laughs> Dirty Rock? Well, that's, uh, yeah, that's, I mean, an interesting point. I mean, because he, he's probably more known for, yeah. recently, for a lot of his television work. I would but. say his best role would be um, Inkling, Larry, and Ross. I was going to yeah. say, yeah. I mean, yeah. that's his best. It's such um, a small that role. speech. Uh, yeah, but yeah. his best performance. But that speech. Oh, so good. Oh, my God. Either that or like, the Saturday Night Live. Put that coffee oh. down. <laughs> Coffee's yeah. for closers. The, or the Saturday Night Live elves. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh my God! Always, always be cobbling. Hey. A B C. Always be, always be close. He's like he actually yeah. says, "Always be closing." He's like he caught himself. Yeah. Always, He's like, be, always cobbling. be cobbling. Uh, it's so good. But that, would that really? I mean, would it be Glenn Larry, Glenn Ross then? That's for his a, greatest uh, performance for your Alec Baldwin I would say his movie? greatest performance, and I think of him first as far as movies. I think Thirty Rock's definitely his, uh, his new, his second lease on life. He wasn't that great of an actor, bef- like. He's been a fine actor, like before Thirty Rock. No, he was in uh, what was that movie where he played the surgeon? Um, hey, before Thirty Rock, he wasn't. Malice, Malice yeah. was really good. Um, I, never, I don't think I ever saw Malice. He's had like basically like multiple careers, yeah. right? Where, where... I, well, I think of him in Miami Blues of all movies. Yeah. Like that's what that's what comes to mind for me. Yeah, I guess I've only seen that once, but I really liked it. You know why? Fred Ward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. But yeah, this movie certainly. Certainly, yeah, 30 Rock yeah. is probably, I mean, I love him so much as Jack Donaghy. Yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, it, he's just freaking amazing. That's what I say, his like, it, comedy it is interesting, though, because... lately is really what set him apart like now. That's what's made him more well-known, that and the... Oh, he's got oh, fantastic yeah. comedic yeah, timing, yeah. for sure. And I mean... everything he does on SNL. Yeah, exactly, right? exactly. Yeah. So. But, you know, he used to be like a, a really, like, young, good-looking, talented actor um so he's he's like just had these multiple careers it's really kind of interesting yeah. um i think about him in working girl he played um, um oh the boyfriend the boyfriend yeah, yeah. but that's what i'm saying like even yeah, the, the movies funny, back then though and oh he wasn't that big of a star then, no i don't think of him as i guess that that's yeah. what i was asking because i don't really no. think of him as a movie star and to me this movie is really interesting because he ends up he has to pass on uh i guess what is it patriot games because uh, he's doing a Broadway play, I think it's a streetcar street named Desire. Yeah. Yep, and 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 that uh, I think that changes the trajectory of his whole movie career. It does, but easily... I think yeah, yeah it, but I think he did that on purpose. I didn't. I don't think he wanted yeah. a career where he was going to be this big action movie star like yeah. Harrison Ford. I just don't think he was interested in that at all. He really enjoys doing Broadway, and he loved doing that. Um, and he's just had a really you know interesting career. De- very different from the trajectory of like Harrison Ford. Yeah. Well, the Harrison Ford tie-in is interesting because uh, Harrison Ford initially was offered this movie and passed on it, and then so Alec Baldwin ended up getting the role, and then Harrison Ford obviously takes over for him when Alec Baldwin says no, and then Harrison Ford also turns down Jurassic Park, and that gives Sam Neill the opening to star in Jurassic Park. Oh, so that's funny. Harrison yeah. Ford and then, really? and then all of that, Harrison and then and then. Ford? And oh then Harrison God. Ford, Harrison Ford makes up uh, Jurassic Park. He makes um, yeah. he would have been amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sam Neill is great. I don't. I, I don't no, I mean Sam I love Neill. Sam Neill. I mean, don't get me wrong. Yeah, but that's a, that's a 
tailor-made Harrison Ford role. Uh, all right, uh, closing thoughts. Would you? It sounds like we would all obviously recommend this movie. We like it, but anything you want to say as a as a goodbye to the yeah, hunt definitely. Had it in a really enjoyable movie. I hadn't seen it in a, quite a long time, and it's definitely one that should be probably rewatched often. But it's still like a little bit not slow, but like it's not. I w- you wouldn't like watch it repeatedly like you would Die Hard or something like that, but you would watch it often if that makes sense. It's not as much action packed. It's more of a um, like a slower burn. Like you can't just drop into this as easily as you could drop into say Die Hard. This one there's a lot more building of tension. Like you want to sit through the whole thing versus like catching a half hour clips of things. If that makes sense. I yeah, I understand 100%. what you what you're talking yeah. about, and I I sort of agree with you. But I also don't agree yeah. because I've watched this movie like yeah, no, no, I'm not saying again. that you couldn't watch like you'd want to watch the whole thing together as a like a entire piece from start yeah, to finish. Exactly. And like whereas other movies, you can like okay, if I just watch the last half of Die Hard, that'd be fine. And this one, you you wouldn't get all the attention built in and all the whole story as well. Excellent movie, though. Definitely, definitely worth watching. Um, I think what I want to say is that. They spent twenty thousand dollars on Sean Connery's toupee, <laughs> and it was well worth it. <laughs> Great. Also, what, I want to say I should go into toupee making. I was, maybe I should just uh, like I'll have somebody whip me up the Marco Ramos <laughs> and just be, be rocking that around town. Well, <laughs> just, it's, it would be. I mean, you'd do you do well. Can, you can use well, one. That's all I gotta say. Like, you'd, you'd be killing it. Um, oh, here we go. Oh my God. Director John McTiernan previously used the same teddy bear in Die Hard. There you go. Oh, it is the same bear. Oh, right. That's funny. <laughs> wow. Why that, is it, d- it took me like 30 years to even this. notice that's that. Oh, I, you know, honestly, if somebody had if, if somebody had paid me, you know, offered me a million dollars to try to remember that the bear existed in the movie, I just would not have come up with it. No, so. me either. And it, was, it really wasn't until like I finished this like, you know, a couple hours ago and I was like, oh, my God, like Die Hard, the bear from Die Hard. Yeah, not even thinking that it was actually the same bear, but just going like, "Oh, McTiernan, he's using bears again." Um, wow, <laughs> crazy. <laughs> well, my my closing thought would be that it was. Uh, I hadn't seen this movie in a really long time and had a great time watching it. It was fun, and it's uh, it it just it's it, it it was nice to go back to the the days of old when the Russians were the bad guys. That was nice, uh, and also it was a um, this movie just feels smart, so you got to pay attention. Right, you got to actually invest yourself in it. Um, so it's a nice, it was, a, it was a nice counterpoint to sort of fast and furious mania that we live in today with a lot of bigger, stupid movies being made. This is a big movie, but a smart movie. And from that respect, it was enjoyable. Right. Thank you for pointing that out because they're, they're just, they're, just, they're not making enough movies like this anymore. It's very, it's rare. Yeah. And there was no martial arts done in this movie. No, Jack Ryan was not like, he didn't go down and have like a ten minute knockdown drag out martial arts yeah. fight with um with the uh, the saboteur. All right, we ready to wrap? We can we can wrap. I will say too. I, I'll just echo the sentiments. Emily said that she would like to see the movie, but I was like, I gotta watch it. Uh, you know, in the morning, she was like, I did not want to do that, and so um, but she's really interested in watching this, and because she's never seen it, and I will say now to her that. Jessamy really liked it. Mia really liked it. So at some point in the future, we'll watch it again. And I think she she will like yeah, it too. Maybe. I will uh, simply say that uh, we hope you enjoyed our conversation about the uh, Hunt for Red October and 
This is the Real DMC Podcast. Signing off. Astronomia. Astronomia. Come on.